Well, on that note, Alina, what's your, what's your recommendations this week? Okay. Um, here, I'll do my socials first. No, wait, I'll recommend something first. I've been watching trash lately because, you know, <laughs> I don't want to watch movies. I feel like it's a, I'm in like a mood right now where movies kind of feel like a chore. So hopefully I like get back into it. But like, I've been, you know, breathing through season two of Supernatural. I've watched a lot of like shitty Netflix reality TV. Um, oh, I've been in a bit of a Paul, Paul Rudd mood recently. I rewatched Dinner for Schmucks. I completely like forgot about it. I know I've seen it before, but I like didn't remember anything about it. And I still don't really remember anything about it, but I remember I had a good time watching it and that's what matters. Um, so yeah, I am at Alina Falls on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd. I will not follow you back most likely because I'm very particular about things like that. Um, I do other stuff. I run social media for Clapper sometimes when I'm in the mood. I'm sorry, Jack. <laughs> um, I do research for the Rianne Pictures Not Having It All podcast. I think the upcoming episode of Audrey Witherspoon, if you guys want to check that out. I didn't do the research for that, though. Um, and yeah, a lot of guys on Tinder have been asking me about our podcast. So if any of you dudes have made it this far, what's up? Do you advertise that you have a podcast or are they just like yeah i wrote it in my okay. bio and like what's your podcast and i tell them and they're like oh listen to it and i'm like okay don't though but like yeah. if they did what's up <laughs> <Good task laughs> i hope two. our numbers go up because of it you're welcome you're welcome the past just want to listen two to all weeks talking about movies <laughs> wait do you guys do you guys send out the podcast to your like friends and you're like listen and <laughs> very no. curious no i know no. three people listen to uncle james and probably to have listened to Clappercast. Well, as I've said, don't listen to Uncut Gems. But um, <laughs> Savage. um yeah, no, it's so funny because my friends, the worst thing in the world is like when your friends like walking away after you've hung out the whole day and they're like, by the way, I listen to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> some like, of my friends actually I didn't listen even to it, mention- but I don't like force them to. Yeah, it's that I like it and it shows up in everyone's uh, Twitter feed. I like the post. Um, and then my friends are like, oh, I'll go listen while I'm running. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. That's horrible. Yeah. So I don't know, like today at minimum, like four dudes have said they'd listen to our podcast. So you're welcome. I'm getting our numbers up by being a hoe. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for that, Alina. Um, did you give your service? Thank you for your service. Yeah, I did. Adelina Falls everywhere. Nick, why don't you give your recommendations then? Um, I've been I've been going forward with some challenges that I've put on myself this year. The main two that I'm doing are watch 100 movies from the 1950s that I still haven't seen and watch five movies from 20 different directors. Some of them I've already explored, some of them I have to finish, some of them I have to start. But one that I had to finish was Brian De Palma. And I loved, I loved the man, um, but his career is very uneven. But one of the last ones that I watched was Carlito's Way. And it might just be my favorite of his. This was borderline perfect. It's stellar filmmaking. It's an incredibly engaging, compelling, tragic, tense story. It has one of the all-time great Al Pacino performances and characters. The cast in general is killer. Sean Penn plays a sleazy asshole, which is the perfect role for him. Viggo Mortensen pops up as well. 
and, and I was just blown away, honestly. It's it's one of those movies that everyone always said is fantastic. For some reason, I never got around to it. And this was one of the main goals of the challenge, just actually get around to watching some movies like Carlito's Way. And it paid off wonderfully. So if anyone likes Brian De Palma, just like movies in general, just watch Carlito's Way. It's incredible. Um, my handles, you can follow me on Twitter at nikigra 97 and on Letterboxd at Nicolo Grasso. You can read my stuff on Clapper and Book for Thought. And you can watch my videos on, um, on Enjoy the Movies at, on YouTube and Vimeo. I switch things up for once. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't ring as good. That's still fine. Um, my recommendation this week is going to be the new Anthony Bourdain documentary called Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. I saw this at AFI docs and obviously this is like a sad story, right? It focuses on his life. It's really interesting. Even if you don't know anything about his life, it does a really good job introducing you to not just why everyone loves him, but also the personal demons he faced that obviously led him to take his own life very tragically. Um, but it's this, then it becomes this really universal exploration on fame and happiness and the world and like what is the purpose of life? What gives you happiness? What should you seek out in life from this really interesting perspective of someone who got to travel the world and become rich and attend all these like parties and have a great time? And theoretically, his life had everything you could want for in a life, yet he still found emptiness and hollowness and tragedy. And it's just this really beautiful fascinating documentary that like genuinely floored me it's from morgan neville who is like one of the best documentary filmmakers of all time already and he will go down as one of the best of all time um but this one just stunned me and it comes out in theaters or vod i don't know how it's releasing but it is it is coming out this coming weekend so i would highly highly recommend that film um, you can find me on Twitter at PP underscore movie reviews. Letterboxd just Carson Tamar. You can find everything reviewed in the world of film and television at www.clapperltd.co.uk. Um, listen to Clappercast every single Wednesday. Um, if you want to listen to the lesser podcast, I would still recommend you check it out. But Uncut Gems does come out every single Friday. This no. week, we are talking about both 2001's Joyride and Unhinged. Unhinged is great. Joyride is not, but that was a very fun conversation. So I'd recommend you check, you at least check it out. Though do know it's not quite as good as us, but like that's fine. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye. Hello and welcome to Clappercast episode sixty. Done with the 50s into the 60s, and we have a good episode coming to you. My name is Carson Tamar. I'm your host as always, and today I'm joined by Alina Falds. How are you doing, Alina? I'm good. Uh, had an eventful week. Um, I had a boyfriend for like five days, so that's fun and fresh. And now he's moving like halfway across the country, so I no longer have a boyfriend. So, you know, Hot Girl Summer is back, not letting my Twitter followers down. Um, so... I don't know. Back in business. <laughs> Just like the boss baby, back in business. Uh, next up, we have Paul Price. How are you doing, Paul? I am all right. Um, I had a situation where I had to lie to a friend um, to get out of seeing Black Widow twice in a row, which felt really bad. Um, <laughs> and so that was like my big drama of the week. Uh, basically, I ha- didn't have enough tickets to go see. Um, th- I'd already used up three of my uh amc movies and he was like let's go at 9 15 
and I had to come up with this whole like list of movies that I'd seen that wasn't I'm seeing Black Widow right before I would see it with you. Um, so <laughs> that was my big drama. It was pretty fun because then he was like, well, I'm here. If you want to like grab a beer before we could like hang out. And I'm like, I am literally in the movie at this point. So <laughs> I can't No, I can't come see Black Widow with you. I'm seeing Peter Rabbit too, the runaway. I'm too busy. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, we have Nick. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm shielding myself from the football match. I don't want to know what's happening. Italy versus UK. I don't care. I've closed the windows. I'm doing everything to prevent the screams of the crowd in the neighborhood <laughs> to fill the microphone. So fingers crossed on that front. Yeah, FYI, we are recording this. Literally, like, the entire match will be happening as we do this. So it just you started. Hear- <laughs> If you hear screaming, assume it's from the Italian in the call. Um, as uh, mentioned, oh, good. Uh, England has gotten a point. Um, I'll just do regular updates for you. Wait, have they really? <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah, zero to one. Well, congr- it says goal. Come on, England. Oof. <laughs> Big oof. So maybe actually Paul will also be screaming throughout for some reason. He seems to like to do that <laughs> on podcasts. Anyway. <laughs> We have plenty to get through today, but first off, we must start. After I think it's been two years, two and a half years, we have a new MCU film in theaters and on Disney Plus where it made a lot of money. We have Black Widow and Paul. Why don't you start us out with Black Widow? Because your reaction, I think, is probably the strongest out of any of us. Um, yeah, I didn't have high expectations for this one. I mean, um, little intro, it's the Black Widow movie set in the middle of phase three, even they're calling that they're calling it part of part four, phase four. And like, spoiler alert for Endgame, Black Widow's already dead. So it felt very like, I don't need this movie. Um, but it is not a Marvel movie at all. It is very much a kind of Jason Bourne-ish um, spy thriller and has some really good emotional beats. And what Carson was referring to is, I think it's my second favorite MCU movie after Winter Soldier. Um, I really just sat there and thought about it and I was like, yeah, I don't have any of these. I've, I just don't like the Marvel movies. I find them like so tedious and I find the characters so uninteresting. Um, and there's brief moments, and I guess it's the spy ones that work for me, but where I'm like, yeah, I'm on the right wavelength for this, but, uh, it'd be interesting because I know you didn't like it, Carson. Yeah, no, I was mixed on it, which is gonna be a running theme of the podcast. Um, I'm very indifferent about most of these films. It's fine. Look, breaking the traditional MCU model is a good thing on paper. It said the same thing about WandaVision. You know, you're trying to do something different. I respect that, at least. This is a more grounded, as you mentioned, MCU film that really doesn't even feel like an MCU film. The issue is then, it's just like a very bland and boring spy adventure. Like, there's so little here. The performances are good. The family dynamics are good. Well, I'm the correct one. I'm the one speaking, so you can let me finish at least. Thank you very much, Paul. Very I just figured we could have a conversation um, on this podcast instead of a oh, interesting. Of I, you know what's interesting? <laughs> I posted my initial reaction. I tweeted my initial reaction, and Paul said, why would you send that to us? 
why would you send that to me? <laughs> and I said, I was trying to have a conversation especially, with friends. Especially so. when both of us like it. Paul was really salty about it. And I was like, what person was I? I didn't even know Alina liked it at the time. Anyway, I think it's pretty boring. I think that it's like the color palette's really boring. The the CGI and visual effects are like genuinely bad. But um, no, the performances are easily the best part. But overall, this is like a pretty lackluster edition. I don't necessarily hate it, but I definitely like it's instantly forgettable for me. Does anyone else want to give their first impressions before Paul rudely just continues talking? <laughs> yeah, I I'll go. I... <laughs> no, shut up. I'll go. <laughs> um, okay, so like as our listeners know, Ontario has been in a hellscape of a lockdown for God knows how long. So I was one of the unfortunate few that had to watch this on fucking Disney Plus. So um, I really wish I had gotten the chance to watch it in theaters because I think I would have liked it better because I do enjoy the MCU. Like when I was in high school and an MCU movie was coming out, a bitch was there opening night. I was there the next night. I was there the next night after I watched them like at least twice in theaters every time like one came out. So it was always like fun and like an event. Um, But like, obviously, since I couldn't do that this time, I was kind of like whatever and indifferent about it. Black Widow has never been like one of my favorite Marvel characters, but she does have one of the most interesting backstories. So I was like looking forward to this for that reason to like, um hear more about like the red room and all that stuff um overall I did like it but I wish I had gotten to see it in theater because I think I would have like focused on it better and liked it better because like the whole time I was distracted granted for personal reasons but I also think that like I don't know there's just like something about it that I was just like why didn't we have this years ago and why are we watching this now in 2021 when this should have come out and like I don't know at least 2018 or something but you know it was good I liked it Rachel Weiss is so pretty and great you know it's fine it's a good entry to the universe yeah I felt closer to Carson out of everything even though I did watch this at home which was good because I managed to sync it up with my sister who was watching it in Dublin. So we watched it together simultaneously and just chatting and sending messages to one another. Um, I wasn't too big into this. I wish I was because kind of like you, Paul, I do, I do like the more action-heavy, grounded Marvel movies, but this one did nothing for me. Like I watched it less than 24 hours ago and I'm already, I'm already forgetting pieces of it. It was just kind of like a, I don't know, it, was, it wanted to be a Mission Impossible movie more so than a Jason Bourne so much, like getting some of the set pieces or even just a, a James Bond film, just similar set pieces, similar actions, similar story beats, but it, it never really amounted to anything. And I think it is because there's, there's a sense of, of physicality, of weight that is lacking, both in terms of the filmmaking itself and the, and the story, the characters. Um, the action's fine. It's not one of the best ones in the MCU. There's a lot of weightless jumping and crashing. Like people keep falling from immense heights and they just land on their feet like cats constantly. They don't get scratches. They don't get hurt. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, the the characters, they're, they're interesting. I think this is one of those cases where the actors do elevate with their performances some of the writing. Um, everyone's been raving about Florence Pugh who's legitimately great in everything she does but I will say like David Harbour stole the movie for me this is one of the few instances where the comic relief actually worked I was like yeah there's there's life I'm, I'm feeling things um, yeah I, I think if this 
if this tried to be more practical as like to the extent of the, of the possibility of actually doing some of those things practically, you cannot have floating sky fortresses in the sky. But I don't know, it was just, just lacking in so many things. And it's not one of the worst ones in the MCU. It's definitely though one of the like middle level average movies for me. You all are wrong. Um, <laughs> okay, so first of all, I will say that this and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 should be flopped. Like in terms of when they were released, there is no reason Guardians 2 came out and not this. Um, like if you look, it would have been the perfect timing. And I think that a lot of it, um, I will say, I think a lot of what people are like feeling towards this is that. I also think the fact that we've known about it for a year and we've seen the ads and we've seen, and we've kind of like gotten our minds on what it is. Um, you know, I'm a spoiler freak. Um, so I'll, in that I go and look for them. And um, there was like 700 versions of this movie that people had written because they'd seen it and none of them were right. Um, which was really interesting actually. Like no one was even close to where you're like, oh, maybe they were accurate. Um, it's, to me, I feel like you need this movie for her character's ending. And it feels so weird on Feige's part, this man who constantly like jerks himself off to say like, <laughs> I am so focused on the continuity and everything's connected to like throw this one years later and just be like, yeah, I know she's already dead, but who cares? This is just set up Florence Pugh. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people feel like. Um, but to me, it's the only one of these movies where they've done like an origin and shown back to the characters that I'm like, this is interesting. I care. Um, you look at something like Iron Man 2, um, where it was like setting up something from uh, Tony's past or his dad's past. I don't know. I hated that film. But, you know, those kind of things where it's like uh, setting up something that doesn't really affect the character. Uh, even looking at something like Fast 9. Um, where it's like oh and here's the brother and here's backstory and don't you care compared to all those going to this and being like this is why she is the way she is her family you know did all this you know she had a family they told her that it was all fake uh compared to Florence Pugh's character and then drug her and put her into like you know the equivalent of like sex slavery um and I found it really interesting that Marvel went with something like that. There are some scenes in this uh, that are dark. Even the scene where uh, it's a com it's played as a comedy, but um, you know, Elena is explaining to her dad that she had her you know ovaries and things removed, and it's like intense. I was sitting in the theater with my dad, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, okay, this is." <laughs> a lot for one of these movies. And I think that the ballsiness of all that is really impressive. Like I can get into things about like, oh, I think Taskmaster is a kind of boring villain. I think that, you know, you used one of the coolest concepts of a villain in the Marvels, which I always think that personally Marvel has the worst villains um, across the board. None of them are that interesting to me outside of Spider-Man's. Um, but, you know, you had this villain that copies them and then you just don't really even use it in a way that's particularly interesting but the journey of these characters is so fascinating and 
I also just found myself liking like every stupid MCU moment. You know, um, the there's like a mild twist um, in the third act um, where you're like, who's on whose side and all that kind of thing. And it all worked for me. I kind of had guessed some of it, but I was all like, yeah, this is fine compared to, and I think maybe what I'm seeing with a lot of people is they maybe just be having MCU fatigue in general. And this is just another one, but I've like, so given up on the MCU that I'm kind of looking at it with like a bit of a fresh perspective. Also, it was one of the best uh, MCU movie experiences because there's not, you know, Carson uh, was talking about how he didn't want to hear everyone cheering every five seconds. There aren't moments like that in this. Um, in a way, there's like one or two moments where people got excited, but for the most part, people were just watching the movie and it was kind of wild to be like, oh yeah, I can watch a movie on opening night and I'm not having like fans like screaming every five seconds because Tony does something cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally get that it came at the wrong time, but in terms of like the movies moving forward, I would much prefer another one with this group of four than almost the entire docket that's coming up. We've been talking about it in our text messages and I just don't care. Like I'm looking and I'm like, cool. None of the characters I like are here anymore. And you're going to have me introduced to a bunch of characters that you're like, like these people now, they're not going to be in another movie for three years based on how all of this is set up. So I don't know. <laughs> I do think you probably are correct that the biggest issue is simply the time of release. Cause I found myself really struggling to care. Cause you know what happens with at least the main Black Widow herself, right? You know her fate, you know what's going to happen to her. And when you're left with that, so you don't really care about like the suspense is kind of gone revolving her character. You do have some interesting character moments. I just wish this would have came out like around the time of Civil War because I do think I would be more engaged then. As is then, you're not really left with like caring about the characters. So I think you're left more caring about the plot and the plot itself wasn't really, I didn't really care about. I do agree those darker moments did really kind of genuinely shock me to a bit and I think worked overall to give the, a darker tone. I just think the rest of the movie falls into like such a bland action film. The visuals, the colors here are just like all gray, all white. They all kind of fade into each other. Like it is just a boring film to watch, sadly. And maybe if I was in a theater, maybe the action would be better. You know, who knows? I also watched this from home. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I would say that that was probably because I went and saw it in the Dolby, which is like one of the best screens in like the U.S. Um and I didn't have any problems with the colors. Um, I also personally try to turn my brain off for graphics for movies, at least the first time I watch, because there are times that I'll notice. Um, we'll be talking about it next week, but the first time in a while, I've gone, wow, that was bad graphic, comes up in uh, Fear Street 2, <laughs> that it really has to take me out. Um, but it's like that clip that's uh, going viral on Twitter. Um, of one of the like main action sequences in theater i barely noticed it and my dad's like a big you know um critiquer of that kind of stuff too and it was like eh, it looked fine it like didn't look the best but um you know seeing it on twitter quality video is not the same and i think that that might just be the case across the board um compared to something like uh, going back to fast nine again that is such a visual assault 
that I can't even, I saw that movie like what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe. I cannot remember a single visual in that <laughs> at all. And you guys may be the same on this, but like, I can't remember anything that happened in that movie. <laughs> you don't remember the rope swing? Come on. That's all I remember, but I remember it actually from the trailer, not the movie itself. Like, um, I think spoiling that in the trailer was a really bad move because that was the best part of the movie. I feel like at the end of the day, the problem with Black Widow is that it's just like a filler movie and it's only did it to like fulfill Scarlett Johansson's like contract. Um, like it's it's really a shame that um, the timeline ended up being that way because yeah, I really think if I had seen it, like I liked it, don't get me wrong, but I feel like if I had seen it in theaters and if that this had come out like three years ago, it would have been like one of my like higher movies. But I just like, I just can't be bothered anymore. Like I still really like the MCU, but it is, I'm starting to really hit the Marvel fatigue. Like I don't really care about anything that's coming out except maybe Thor Love and Thunder, maybe. Cause like, I'm tired. It's exhausting. Uh, that's even... actually. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I just want to say I don't even know if it's like for me the problem of when this is said the fact that it's a prequel compared to everything else that came after Civil War. It's not even that big of a problem. It's just the story itself. Like there, there was a tease in Age of Ultron, right, where they show like a little bit of her backstory when she was being trained, and that looked ten times more interesting. Like maybe one of an earlier adventures we could have done. We could have had still implementing the family element, but putting it even further back into her narrative. I think there's just it's just there's nothing really happens of interest. It's a waste of opportunity, I believe. Just constantly. And and especially the action, the way it's shot. Like I mentioned this in a couple episodes ago, I think, but just I love action movies. And this one I was just bored whenever the action came on. It's not that's shot so, with enough energy. I think that's like it's so weird because I, I, uh, I, I like genuinely think like some of this is like the better action. Um, well, like, I mean, it, the, it, the stakes are low for the, the battery is low for Marvel I, movies. See, action. you know what? Winter Soldier well, and Civil War, but specifically Winter Soldier. Has Winter Soldier, yeah, that's the best one. Well, but even then, like I, those particular action scenes, I don't think are like great. <laughs> like, oh no there's better action can, direct to video i can't think nowadays. of i can't think of any of the marvel particularly like action sequences that are like amazing outside of like black panthers um streets through uh soul the yeah. car like well that and the uh whole setup in the casino and all that that whole sequence is really great mm -hmm. um and that long shot is amazing and then I mean, I don't want to count the end game final battle because that's all CGI. Like, <laughs> it's a mishmash, yeah. Um, and also, is not as good as like it could have been. It's just really cool because we got to see them all together, and you know, emotions are high. And that's one of the things that's interesting is like <laughs> the emotions high thing. I do think that this suffers a little bit from COVID. I do think it suffers from the fact that you know this was supposed to release before any of the Marvel TV shows, and now we're like mm. not just this just happened. And I think COVID really, you know, does sit hard on this movie. Um, not only did all this stuff happen, but now we're like three series worth into the future. So like, you know, I kept thinking the timeline of this, this is set like six and a half years <laughs> prior to where we are currently in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. 
And, uh, but as far as like complaints, I will say my biggest complaint is were these people were David Harbour, Rachel Wise and uh, Florence Pugh's characters, were they snapped during the five-year gap or did they just exist and she like didn't meet up with them again? Because I think that completely, that was like something in the movie that kind of needed to be explained and maybe it will be in Hawkeye, um, which I will only be watching for Florence Pugh. Otherwise you could not get me to watch that. Is she confirmed Um, to be in the show? Even yeah, with the singer and everything, like she's, she's she's like it's the three of them. It's uh, Haley Steinfeld, Steinfeld, hmm? um, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, and uh, her are the three main characters. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and then it's setting up kind of, I guess, Kid Avengers. Um, there's been like debates on whether or not Haley ends up being a Kid Avenger or. Why does the future of the MCU, like, sound so bad? Like, why does every project coming out just sound, like, miserable? I don't want to watch any of these things. I want to watch Thor. I want to watch... Doctor Strange. Doctor... uh, No, I'm no. They're just getting rid of (laughs) all my favorite characters, and it's sad. I'm interested in No Way Home. But other than, like, those three and two of those, I'm not excited. I'm interested in, like, every show, every movie just sounds bad. I mean, I think the biggest problem is exactly what Alina just said. You got rid of the three marquee characters in one movie. Um, (laughs) And uh, I think that that's going to be like a problem for them moving forward. Um, You can say all you want about doing that, uh, you know, uh, Falcon becoming Captain America and what that means and everything. But he is not Chris Evans yet. He's not the like power that that actor had. Um, it's going to take a while to get there. And so I feel like they just think like, oh, we can like, you know, um, quick do a change of actor. And, you know, Florence Pugh is actually pretty great. So that'll be a easier switch. But like most of the upcoming things, it's like I, and really, <laughs> I think a huge problem and it's no one's fault except cancer medications um, is Chadwick Boseman passing away is like, Honestly, like him dying really screws up. I was talking to a friend about this. I was like, it really screws up the MCU because he kind of was, who else do we have? Peter Parker at this point. That's like from the original group that like is a marquee star. Like will bring, but yeah, but Thor I think is on his way out as well. Um, We're setting up for Jane to be the new Thor. Um, I think he's going to become a normal guy in the Guardians 3. And then that's probably his... This uh, like finale. The, the MCU has become like an Hydra. At first, it was just like three heads. You get a movie a year, maybe two movies. You can follow everything. You have like a sequel every two, three years. Now there's like six, seven things every year. It's just nonstop, and it's new characters and it's old characters. And I, I just, I don't even want a reboot. I just want to go back to just single movies. Well, you know, well, it's constantly yeah. interconnected. That's it's actually, just well, getting blown up. And I guess that's why I, I mean, and we can, you know debate the quality of the movie but that is a huge boon for me is like this did not fucking matter whether or not i've watched wandavision whether or not i agree on that um like and that's kind of why i will like go to bat for it a little bit more it's like this is what i want from these movies it's like i can just put them on and not care i was thinking about how i went and saw winter soldier like 
at the dollar theater because I was just not into these movies. And I was like, wait, this is great. This is so much fun um, compared to, you know, the movies that uh, we got so excited with them as they built and built. And now there's like nothing building, even like when you read about um, the future plans, it's half of them are going to be space cadets and the other ones are going to be oh. mystical. And it's like, I don't, I don't care about either of these. I, I hate, mm -hmm. I hate all this magic. And uh, <laughs> if we're really getting rid of the guardians of the galaxy, please take me away from space. I have no interest if we're not going to like hang out with her. And I don't even like those movies, but like, <laughs> um, if we don't have them, like, I don't need to go do huge, like, there's a reason that comics got like tacky and why we needed the resurgence in the nineties. And it was because of this stuff where it just got to where it was like, you know, my dad talks about it and he was like, you'd read the comics in the sixties and then you'd miss three issues. And then you'd look back and everyone had changed and everything was different. <laughs> and it was like, because mm -hmm. they just get bored. And instead of just realizing that we're very simple people and could just be spoon fed the same thing again, they keep changing it to where it's like, not, it's too incoherent. Exactly what you said. A Hydra is perfect. Um, I mean, you even look at uh, the Marvels, the new Captain Marvel oh. sequel, and it's like, okay, so I have to have watched WandaVision and I have to have watched Miss Marvel to be able to understand what's going in Captain Marvel 2. And to have watched Captain Marvel 2, I will have had to watch at least some of the other MCU. It's like, and WandaVision. So, yeah. And, you know, even something uh, like Eternals, which I am not a fan of, or, um, Shang-Chi uh at least those are like okay I'm pretty sure that they're beginner friendly um but outside of that it's just it's getting too much and I think it'll start hitting audiences hard as you can see from something like Star Wars um you know the big thing that they talk about with uh Star Wars and why it's kind of like a big flop for Disney is China because they don't want to go watch the older movies which you know, we're at 10 years now for some of these movies. They're starting to get a little like, I haven't went, gone and rewatched Iron Man, but I would assume it's starting to look a little dated. Um, you're not going to get kids to go watch those. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of fix this before it gets to where it's, you know, too big, too gangly. And then they start having flops and start pulling back. Well, you know, I um, think one of the biggest issues with what Nick said about them expanding the focus is how hard that is to then find momentum in the stories. Cause you're not really mm. adding that many projects per year. This year is a special due to COVID. Like normally you get the TV shows. That's definitely probably going to help. You could even say with this, but the fact is you have to wait so long now. It's really hard to have a film or a show like WandaVision that sets up something and then say, okay, wait a year and a half to get a conclusion or a payoff for what it's set up. And you're seeing this with every project now. So Paul, you say like with Black Widow, you really like how you can go into this and not see anything else. And I agree with that to a point, but at the same time, this is a Marvel project that now has not pushed the plot really in that many meaningful directions. And there's a dozen stories right now that still need conclusions and still need to have momentum pushed to it. So I'm just losing interest. The wait to get the second half or the next part of these stories, it's just now not becoming worth it. So it's really hard for me to find momentum or find interest or care in Captain Marvel 2 and in all these other projects. I mean, the entire takeover 
um, the secret invasion shit. Like that was set up years ago oh. and we're finally going to start getting it. I think next year that is like, why would I care for like four years? Again, COVID did not help this and that's out of their control. But why would I care for that many years about the story when I already don't really care, like in general? I think that's a big issue when it comes to Marvel right now. Yeah, and I do I'm, think, oh, go ahead. I'm, I was just going to say, I'm really wondering if like phase four is going to be like the final nail in the coffin for this. And they're just going to have to like reboot everything. Because it makes sense that like by how deep we are in it, that they're going into all these like more niche characters and the more niche stories. But I feel like, most of the people like the MCU movies because they like um, certain characters from it. And with all those characters being like gone and being replaced, it's just like so hard for me to care. Like so many of my favorite characters are like dead or like not being used. And I'm just like, well, all the people left are people who are boring. And why are we going in this direction? It sucks. Like 50 year old me would be really pissed off with how the MCU is right now, I think. Well, they're um, gonna have like the, the biggest reboot era though now they're gonna have the x-men they're gonna have fantastic four and i think i don't know i think they're definitely gonna keep going with it because there's 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 a fan base it's a strong fan base it's a massive fan base I and think... i think it's mainly like people born in like 2005 2006 who literally grew up watching all of these movies since they were like four or five years old I think they will carry it up at least until 2028, 20, I'd say. I probably think that's when it's going to start come crashing down. And, it's, and, and I'm being optimistic, honestly, because it would be for longer. I, I think that, I mean, personally, I think TV shows are going to really hurt. I It'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with TV shows because uh, I've, like, given up. I stopped. <laughs> I stopped mostly during WandaVision. I would watch it at midnight, skimming through it. Um, then I moved to, um, I skipped the Winter Soldier. I watched episode one, and then I watched the last two because um, people said, that's when it gets good. And I was like, you're killing me. Um, and I did not miss anything. I knew exactly what was happening. Um, and then uh, you can just watch that like previously on and you're like, okay, I, I'm caught up. Thanks. Um, and then now Loki's on and I just, I'm not even watching. I mean, I probably will at some point. I call a lot of shows sick shows, um, which is I save them. And then the next time I get a cold or something, I'm like bedridden. I'm like, oh, I have that. I know that's there. But like when I'm healthy and I could go for a walk or like, you know, do something important with my life, I'm not going to go watch three hours of Tom Hiddleston being kooky. Well, we are, <laughs> we are reviewing it next week on the podcast. You might want to check okay, it out. Okay, so I but will also, be watching. <laughs> but also, Loki's actually like, okay. Like, I would say Loki's easily the best series by a mile oh, so yeah, far. Sure. Though that's yeah. not hard. But that's see, good to hear. I, guess, I guess it's interesting uh, that you guys talk about the uh, inconsequence of Black Widow compared to Loki. or And I guess that's what I'm also so used to this at this point. It's like WandaVision and, you know, all that's happening is I watched six episodes of something to get a, a new outfit um <laughs> which got leaked weeks ago like cool i'm so excited <laughs> um and that's how they're doing those shows is that they're setting them up to where people don't have to watch them um you know the biggest push being this uh hawkeye one um which i do think will have like important things but most of these aren't like important moving forward. And I think that'll be really interesting 
when they start actually trying, like with Miss Marvel, things like that, with like, oh, you have to have watched the show. Like, does Disney Plus have a big enough pull to create a like kind of cyclical thing? Um, and this is also like my big thing. I talk about all with all my friends because I was raised a nerd and then I got very out of it and then it became cool. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll interact with that world again. Um, and it's, so it's like my, uh, my protections of like a little kid, like these need to be great is constantly on. <laughs> um, but I hope they, I hope they do well. Um, I'm worried about things like the Eternals. I'm worried about Shang-Chi, um, which I think is a martial arts movie right after um, Snake Eyes, which is also a martial arts movie. And I'm interested to see how those bump up against each other. I feel like one's going to have to tank for the other one to succeed um, or they'll just do moderately okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But I liked it. Go see Black Widow. And hey, you didn't even mention after Shang-Chi, we get the Oscar Best Picture winning Eternals, which I'm sure I is going to win Eternals. Best Picture, everyone. Oh, um, yeah, no, I'm, I mentioned Eternals. So Similar we'll to on off. Twitter, I whenever I hear that, I mute the conversation and then I just don't hear it anymore. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> gosh, the amount of muting I've done recently. Yep. <laughs> it's healthy. Yep. It's good for the, for the mind. You know what Marvel film is coming up for Marvel Project because you'll start seeing people tweet about it and then you're like, oh, got to go add it to my mute list. So, Moon yeah. Knight. Someone oh, shut up about Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad at either of those two, but like, God, I live in hell. It's just so much to keep up with. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Moral of the story today. I'm tired of the MCU. I'm still going to watch because I'm committed. I've dedicated years and years of my fucking life to this goddamn franchise. So I will do it begrudgingly it's homework (laughs) (laughs) i mean if i literally sat there with a ticket to see black widow and imax and i literally was like i don't want to do the effort to get to the theater to watch this i'm actually good (laughs) so and i I saw peter rabbit too in theaters so that says something um with that, why don't we move on? Because we didn't just get a new MCU film. We got possibly even more exciting. We're getting a new Nicolas Cage film with Pig releasing from Neon. Uh, not the not related to Cow, which is also coming out this year. This is its own thing. And Nick, why don't you introduce us to Pig? I am I'm not someone who gets easily obsessed with actors. I've never been too much into them. But Nicolas Cage, that's in my top three easily favorite actors. I've seen, I think over 60 of his movies. I still have quite a lot to go through, but I just love him. And and I was excited for Pig. Excited, I believe in the right way, if it can be called so, because I got burned really bad when Mandy came out because everyone was hyping it up. And the trailers were about, look how crazy these movies, look what's happening. And I watched it and the movie was very different from how it was being sold. I didn't like it. I didn't drive with it. And then after two months, I watched it again and loved it. And I think I've seen it like three or four times. And it's entered, um, become one of my favorite movies, honestly. And so with Pig, I started reading the reactions. I started seeing all the small clips from the trailer. I was like, no, I'm not doing this again. I'm just going to go watch it blind. And unfortunately, I had like probably one of the most tiring weeks in a, in a while. 
And so I, I, did, I didn't manage to find the right moment to watch it, um, psychologically speaking, let's say. But Pig has stuck with me. Pig is not an exciting movie. Pig, Pig is it's qualified as a thriller. It's not, I don't know where people saw the thriller part. Pig is very much a drama. It's a slow burn drama. Nicolas Cage just living in isolation with his little truffle pig, getting the truffle to sell to sleazy Alex Wolf. And one day the pig gets kidnapped. And now Nicolas Cage goes on an adventure to find the pig. But it's, it's an incredibly self-reflective journey. A journey where he goes back through his past, through the past of the people he's known, the people he's loved. And it's weirdly touching, weirdly emotional, but also it is very slow, slow to a, to a fault, I'd say, because it could have easily been either trimmed a little bit or it could have had a couple more exciting moments. As it is, if, if I were to review it like two hours or one day after I watched it, I probably would say, I don't like this movie. I wouldn't recommend it. But I've been going back to, to some scenes, to, to some images, some visuals that are in this film. The opening and the ending, how they connect to one another. There's a tender heart-to-heart -to towards the end of the film and between Alex Wolf and Nicolas Cage and another character as well. And you know what? I found it to be very compelling in its own weird way, even though I watched it again at the wrong time. And I really want to watch it again in the future, maybe at the end of the summer, give it some time and then just let it sink in because I think it can be a very rewarding movie because otherwise I can easily see it being, and I'm curious to hear everyone's thoughts now, but um, I can easily see it being destroyed for being just boring, <laughs> which it kind of is. And I totally get that. Uh, I hate this movie. Um, I So there's this thing where uh, when I'm ranking movies, especially on my letterbox, um, I rank movies like not on how good they are or how quality they're made or whatever, just like my emotional reaction to them and like how I, and this movie truly was one of those that I was like, um, it just infuriated me with like a passion. First of all, it's a stage play. There is no reason why this is a movie. And I would be curious to know either if the uh, writer was a originally a dramatist or if this was originally written to be a stage play, because it is to the point where it's like, this is this scene. It's going to last for 10 minutes. They are in the same location. Then they're going to go to this scene and it lasts for 10 to 15 minutes. And it's the same, you know, it's, it, they'll stay in the same location and nothing really happens. And it's all dialogue driven. Um, that's not why I hate it. Um, to get into why I hate this movie goes into spoilers, so I'll skip it. But this is not, what? We can talk about spoilers? If you want, if it's crucial, I guess, just to give a warning for it. I mean, if you, okay, Marvel. you probably okay. should share in the review why you dislike the film. Okay, okay. So spoiler alert, the pig doesn't make it. And no. to <laughs> I didn't watch it because I'm stupid and I accidentally let the screener expire but like I don't want to see cute little piggies die okay it going, doesn't sorry. it it, it <laughs> dies before the like movie even starts it dies during the night of the kidnapping as far as the guy explains and to me I'm watching this film <laughs> I am like going on this journey and specifically for this one compared to something like John Wick 
for it just to end with and everything you've done this man has not changed the story does not get better he just had a cute little life and his pig's dead <laughs> it's just like and the pig's the best part of the movie like that whole the whole sequence where they were hanging out and he was just with the pig i was like i love this um and I was like about to be like, oh, I'm surprised. And then the pig gets kidnapped and the movie tanks for me. Um, but it just sits there and the whole film is uh, a meditation on like what's most important in your life. And he's like my pig. And they're like, okay, well, the pig's dead. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much the movie is like, what's important to your life? This thing that I've decided to love he has this whole speech about how much he loves her. And it's like, oh, she's already dead at this point. It's so weird and so upsetting in terms of like, why did you just put me through? And not like a, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies is Ordinary People. Like I like when I'm like emotionally torn up. This just felt like a mean, cruel little joke on people who got invested in the movie. Um, you know, it's like, one of those that people call like a nasty piece of work, but it's not interesting enough to be a nasty piece of work. Also, um, Cage is fine. Everyone else in this movie is like bottom level acting. There is a uh, chef in this movie who I had to pause because I was cringing so much at his performance. It's so bad. Um, he's sitting there and he's like crying, talking about this bar that he wanted to have and he never made um <laughs> and it is the worst performance i have seen in a while um it's like you can tell the guy like had practiced this monologue far too much um and like none of the like revelations that he's supposed to be having are real it just ugh. uh and that was like to me i was like i'm just gonna wait till the pig shows back up <laughs> like i kind of was pulled out of the movie and how they even so many of the reveals in this movie are just like oh okay um it tries to be so downcast the whole time and like be like life sucks that it's like yeah and so does this movie so Carson <laughs> I wouldn't say all the performances outside of Nicolas Cage are like bottom chair I think Alex Wolf is pretty good but I do agree outside of those two I would agree there's a woman in this who I literally texted you and I literally thought was Gabby Hanna for a minute so that really says all you need to like know about the film um yeah the movie itself is not good very middle of the road I think Nicolas Cage is fine Alex Wolf is good not like amazing but good um, and the film like has a sense of craft that I like. I like the score. I like the cinematography, but the story itself, I agree. It just gets very, very repetitive and it's very boring. I think it simply is because I didn't really care about the Nicolas Cage character. When you, you have a film like this, that is so much on self-reflection and you really need not just to empathize with him, but understand him. It really requires an interesting, engaging character. And simply due to both the writing and the style of the film, I didn't care about this character. I cared on a base level. It's an adorable pig, right? And like naturally, of course, you want him to find his pig. And when he doesn't, you know, very tragic moment. That moment emotionally worked for me. But the larger journey is just kind of this very bizarre, weirdly crafted film that just never grabbed my interest. Again, didn't hate it. Very similar to Black Widow here. I thought it was fine. It just isn't something I can recommend personally. Yeah, I think it goes into that category of like um, revolutionary road or things like that that are like sad people being sad and then ending sadly. And you're just like, 
Okay. Well, I don't know. Uh, like, and I'm curious, uh, Nick, like, um, what you thought because I just find these kind of movies and I know I'm in the minority on this but I always just find movies about like the sadness of the human experience to not be like a rewarding film like I can just go talk to my dad if I want to be depressed I like to wall in misery and seeing people be miserable and waste their lives makes me feel better <laughs> no jokes aside jokes aside it's uh, I, I can't really say I mean I'm I think I mentioned it on a few episodes ago but just I've been getting more and more into slower cinema even just on a purely psychological level it's helpful to just slow down sometimes and i regret that the screener well not regret but just yes i wish i had like a full day of rest before watching this movie and i couldn't i, I literally watched it right, right before the the screener expired but it's i don't know like i, I totally get why it doesn't really work but in a way i admire especially as a nicolas cage movie I admire the director, Michael Sarnowski, for, for going for a more hard house, slower approach, because I love Nicolas Cage and it pains me that he has become a meme and so many movies use him as a meme. We had, I don't think he's been talked on the podcast, maybe, Willy's Wonderland, or just that one I didn't like. That was an absolute waste of time and of an interesting idea. Um, there was the Netflix comedies, special history of swear words, something like that, which was fine. But again, they're using him as a comic relief. He goes insane. He goes crazy. And I like that here is he gives a more restrained performance. And he blows up, I think, once or twice throughout the entire movie. And those moments are effective. And yeah, you get kind of a chuckle because he's screaming and kicking, <laughs> kicking a car. <laughs> but... But everything else, it's it shows that he can be a fantastic actor and elevated the material. And and it is kind of not necessarily a blank slate, but just a mysterious protagonist. Um, that was part of the appeal for me, just trying to uncover his past. And there's some there's some interesting tidbits that you learn um, on the way. But to, to your point, actually, Paul, that you mentioned this is kind of like a stage play. I wish this was more visual and less dialogue driven. It could have benefited immensely. Personally, with something like this, I would have embraced the slowness and the quiet moments because those are the moments that worked better. They rang through or they were strong emotionally even, like in the ending. But otherwise it's just constant, like people blabbing on and on and on. And there's some attempts at comedy that don't really work. There's, I think it's it's like a cut, I remember, because it stood out to me. Just like Alex Walsh saying something like, oh, I'm not going to do this because reasons and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to do it. And then he just cuts to a scene of him doing the thing. But it's, it's just odd. It feels like they were trying to, they didn't think that through. It was kind of like, okay, but is this supposed to be funny? It doesn't really work. And there's a couple moments like that for the film. But, but yeah, no, I, I totally get why it didn't really connect with you guys. Um, even for me, it's, it's, it's been a grower, weirdly enough. Not a shower. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the one thing, uh, as you were talking uh, about visual, the one thing that's so weird in this movie um, is the underground chef fighting ring that feels like it's from an entire... And, uh, you know, um, as you guys have mentioned, this movie is like continuously talked about as like a John Wick-esque movie, which it is not. 
Um, I'm actually very curious to see what next week's reactions are to like general audiences. I think people are, I think people are going to riot. It is like, (laughs) um, I think it's going to be like really funny to see how panned it is. Um, I think it was Matt Sutler's sides who said something like Al Hashby's John Wick, which is a, a good comparison, but I think most people are just going to focus on the John Wick part because that's what everyone is saying. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because it's it's not there if you're looking for action, the only sequence is this like boxing ring for chefs, and it's almost not explained at all. <laughs> um, it's just what and, those chefs do, you know? Yeah, <laughs> those crazy chefs. Like it's punched um, to death for the plank. Oh, seconds. and that's the that's the other thing that I really can't stand with this movie. It's that, and then also that he does not clean up. Um, when he goes into the city, it feels so forced. I'm like, this man, I don't care. Um, I have family from the country who probably look like that most of the year, but when they come into the city, they will at least shave. They will at least wash up that he's wearing these like nasty clothes, like (laughs) days and days, um, is just, it feels so like the, it feels like a screenwriter constantly is going like, this is cinema. This is real. This is talking about the world as it is. And I'm like, I, it's just fake. Um, it doesn't have anything to say, really. Well, and um, to it your is his points. I think the like the charm of Nicolas Cage. Not that he's like a bad re- or actor and he can't oh, he surpasses, but he's the best when it's really weird. And this world inherently seems to want to be weird. There's all these little weird things. You mentioned the like Fight Club that the chefs have. I just it's wish this film Portland. was more. <laughs> Well, okay. I just wish the no, film was more weird. Like, yeah. I just wish this film went balls to the wall crazy, oh, and it would be great. Actually, actually, we have not talked about the most insane thing in this entire movie, is that <laughs> Alex Wolf's mother, like, had one dinner, <laughs> and it was the greatest dinner of her life. And I don't remember. Is she in an insane asylum? Yeah, she's in an insane asylum. And all she talks about is how much she likes the dinner. That is crazy. <laughs> that is such a like Nicolas Cage moment uh, in this movie that's played so blank. And then uh, Nicolas Cage saying that he can remember every person he's ever cooked for. And he's like, I knew who you were when I saw you. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> What does that even mean? Like, unless you call the chef out to see, you know, in that like stereotypical, like, bring the chef out. I want to give my regards. <laughs> like, you, the chef does not see you. <laughs> he doesn't remember what dish you ordered, uh, especially when you order some creepy ass, like, <laughs> duck dish. <laughs> like, when they were cooking it, I was like, oh, the vegetarian in me is really not handling this scene well. <laughs> Just slicing off duck heads. Talk about <laughs> baby vegan duck alerts. Heads. Yeah, baby duck heads. And they like do it. I was not expecting to see like, I was expecting it to be a fake thing. Nope. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it. <laughs> I think Alina would have had some really good points. Um, but yeah, I'm it's sorry. Just... It was stupid and let it expire. I will say um, sadly, the woman who does vegan alerts, she rated this two and a half stars, but has not given the review yet. So. Excited, oh, Allison. Uh, we trust you. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's just uh, it's a little weird. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I don't really get it. Um, I, I will be interested to see the reactions 
uh, from general audiences. Like this letterbox score, I could see being a 2.7 and I could see being like a 3.9 because people are weird on that app. <laughs> I'm expecting, yeah. I'm expecting on the two, honestly. It, Speaking it's of all which... about the marketing, I believe, because it's, it's, I watched the trailer because a friend of mine, I, I told her that I was going to watch this. She was like, oh, I watched the trailer. It looks crazy. It was like, okay, <laughs> the trailer is not, even the trailer doesn't look that exciting, honestly, but they have like the music and they have the tempo and they have like the weird images and they always focus back to the underground club and the chef laughing. I so was building I will... a movie that's not there, basically. Yeah, well, and I will say that as much as I'm going to harp on like it being stupid, that line where he, and his deliveries, especially where he says like, you know, I remember every meal I've ever cooked and every person I ever served it. It is like really nice. And the way that they shoot it in the trailer, I think it's really bad in movie. And I was really disappointed. Um, but that whole sequence is really nice. Um, also, they put the pig throughout the entire thing and don't tell you that that's all the scenes of the pig. There's maybe like one scene that you don't get other than that. Um, yeah, so it's... <laughs> Uh, oh, pig. I hope it is pig... the best Nick Cage film since Color Out of Space. I'll say that. Oh, well, that's not hard because Color Out of Space was absolutely terrible. Um, oh, I, watch, I watched it for my Terrible Movie Tuesday group, and it was the first time I've lost people. Wow. <laughs> like, people dipped. And I was like, okay, I'm watching this alone. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... I um, I hope the pig has a wonderful career in whatever she wants to do. Give her and the cow from First Cow everything because they deserve it. Give them the awards. Ooh, give them maybe the that's the new MCU. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I would I would watch it. <laughs> give them two, and I'm assuming cow will have a couple cows in it. So like, give them yeah. just like that's the new Avengers. <laughs> And I want them to beat up like all the rich people who are killing the environment. Um, on that note, let's go over to our a very, I think, underrated streaming service. I didn't realize how many like originals they had and how much shit until I logged on to, I used like my free trial to get this, to watch this movie. Let's go over to Shudder. Let's talk about Vicious Fun. I'm going to go ahead and introduce this one if that's okay with everyone. Um, because I did not know anything to expect from this film. I didn't know it was from the same guy as The Oak Room, which was one of my surprises of last year. All I knew is that according to the banner on Letterboxd, the guy was cute. And on that, Paul sent me that. And I said, sure, yeah, we can talk about it in the podcast and I'll watch it. Why not? Um, just for that reason. And it turns out the film's pretty okay. Again, we're continuing the theme. I'm very in the middle on this film. I think it has a fun concept. It's a really fun concept where this guy is in a bar, he gets drunk and he wakes up and then he's surrounded in this like therapy group for serial killers. And they're all, and he has to act like a serial killer. They catch on that he's not a serial killer and then they hunt him. That's a fun idea. And there are some really good moments in the film. The deaths in this film, chef's kiss. These are some like my favorite deaths I've seen in recent memory. I don't know how you got through it, Paul. It was so gruesome and graphic, but like really like the deaths. The story itself, 
did not really uh, like how they handled it. The pacing is so off. I do appreciate that I didn't know where the film was going. Every 10 minutes, it would just switch in direction. And you think like, okay, the main story is going to be him hiding. He's a serial killer. No, they figure that out. Okay, so then it's going to be him like in this claustrophobic space being hunted by these serial killers. No, and it keeps evolving. But I just never found that this film really gripped me as that interesting. I don't think the performances are that good. Um, I like the deaths, but ultimately this is just like a very passable horror film. Don't hate it. Don't love it. Think the Oak Room was better, but still the director, at least I'm like interested in what he does next. This is a, a great pizza movie. It's just, for me, it's the type of movie that you put on in the background while eating and it just gets you through the entire dinner. You eat slowly. You're enjoying what you're watching. And, and it's a blast. I didn't know what to expect when you recommended this. Um, and I do think Shudder is underrated. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, some of the originals are, can be horrible, but but this one is one of the better ones, honestly. It's it's fun, um, probably too comedic in the opening. I think the performance of the main guy, Evan Marsh, took a while for me to start liking him because he's just a bit over the top at first. Um, but once everything started to settle in, it was just fun. It was just playing good old fun. It's bloody. It's entertaining. And, and especially like what you said, Carson, it keeps changing and going in places I were not expecting. Even in, even with the ending, like it's, it was fresh. We've seen these movies before. It was almost like a parody, having like a group of killers, of different killers hunting someone down. We've seen that. But it's done in such a way that felt fresh. And that's not something that I can say easily for many other movies. Um, it did start to drag at the end because they don't do as much as they could have with the group of killers, I believe. They're a bit restrained, almost too much. And that's probably budget reasons. Even some of the ways this is put together, you can tell they were probably rushing the production because of the budget. But at least when they slow down, it's for the kills and for practical effects. And Paul already said we're going to talk about Fear Street next week, but just... There's no practical effects in that one. And this one is all of the practice. I was like, ah, yes. Old school tricks, old school, just like blood and props and gibbs, quibbs. Oh, yes, it delivered. It delivered on everything that I wanted out of it. Is it great? Not really, but it doesn't even need to be great. It's just playing good fun. Um. So yeah, I actually liked this vicious fun better than the Oak Room. I think I saw it at, yeah, we saw it at Fantasia. So I liked this one better. Um, yeah, like everyone said, and it's literally in the title, it's a fun movie. Uh, I find serial killers to be like a super fascinating thing. So the whole concept of them having like a support group where they talk about all the like murders they've committed was just like so bizarre and really funny. I kind of wish they had explained like how they like all found each other and like, because like there's also like different groups in like literally every state and I kind of wish we had seen more of that I feel like because there's like more of them kicking around it like sets up like a sequel or something which I would not be mad about um yeah I had a really good time with it it like I didn't go in with like super high expectations because I'm not like really big into horror but like I thought it was funny I thought the kills were really great um I thought like the character Carrie was really cool and like the pair up between like her and the main guy was fun um, I think the main guy is like ugly. I'm sorry. I hope he doesn't listen to this because like that's kind of mean. Like I'm sure he gets mad hoes, but like he's not my type. 
but like by the end of the movie I found him to be like pretty charming like he kind of like won me over by the end of it I don't know it's it's, it's a solid time like if you want to just like just like have something to like just turn your brain off and just like enjoy some like gory gross murders this is the movie for you can I just say like a really quick thing before Paul goes at the <laughs> end he has a mustache goatee whatever he looked uncannily like Kevin Dillon. It was eerie. It's oddly That's specific, but it was so close. That's so funny. Me. That's so funny because the entire movie, and I am not kidding, I never had a moment where my brain could not go, this is Jonathan Groff. Um, all I see is Jonathan Groff. Um, especially in like his like looking era. Um it's like the same face um, in a very weird way. And even some of his reactions and things. Um, Jonathan Groff is now old. So like he's matured into his face, but like the, the youthful look, same face. Um, so it was really weird for me. Um, Cause I kept, <laughs> my brain would go, this is an old movie with Jonathan Groff. And I'm like, no, this is a new movie with someone who is not related. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm with Alina. I uh, and actually uh, Nick as well. It is a very like pizza movie. As I've mentioned a couple times, my friends do terrible movie Tuesdays, and uh, we pick a horror movie. This was the one we picked, and Carson happened to be watching it as well, so um, we decided to talk about it. But um, so uh, a roundabout way of saying we watch a lot of terrible horror, like if it is bad, if it has like a 2.9 on Letterboxd and it's a horror that's come out in the past like three years, we've probably watched it. Um, we did it all during quarantine and now we've kept up with it. Um, but uh, my point is this one actually is like a lot of fun comparatively. Like I'm used to low budget. I'm used to like uh, having to stretch out and have a couple kills, but like the dialogue, the performances are all pretty fun. Um, to your point, Carson, there's a lot of like good twists. I was like, oh, that's the main villain. Oh, it's not. This is the main. Nope, nope, he's not. All of that was really cool. Um, I do have some problems with that second to third act shift. I would assume it's the second. Yeah, second to third. I would assume the police station would be considered the third act. Um, it's a little weird. It's a little jarring and it just doesn't uh work for a while until we get back to the kills but um overall yeah i think it's really fun i'm excited to watch the oak room i've heard it's different but i'm interested to see what i think um and compared to most of the shutter movies if you were even moderately interested in horror get shutter for a couple months um because it is it has a lot of classics. It has a lot of weird stuff. It's just, it's a good time. Um, and if you put something on, there's a good chance it's going to be like some foreign horror that you've never even heard of. And that's kind of cool. Um, you get a lot of like new favorites from it. Um, we talked about Stranger on the Lake in the pod, uh, Stranger by the Lake on the podcast. And that's actually where I originally saw this. Uh, uh, saw that was on Shutter. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty good. I'm with Alina. I would watch a sequel. Um, yeah, it's just, it's yeah, definitely like if you're the audience for this, you're going to like it. <laughs> like that's as far as it 
goes. Yeah, I agree. I, I would watch the sequel. I really like there's two main issues I had with it that I will vocalize. Number one is the main character. I don't really get why he was in it. I feel like it would have been much better if it was just the badass woman because that was like badass. And he has this comedy like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. But like I felt especially towards the end, I didn't like his placement felt a little bit weird. Also, I'll just say I hated, hated hated the bit where they try to make fun of him for being a critic it comes off almost like sam levinson bad where like you made a film that people liked and respected and then you just make this character and for no reason adds nothing just shits on him for being a critic and he's like look at what a loser he reviews film and writes about horror what what a nerd he can't talk to people and it was like oh Oh, no, I not that I'm offended by it. It was just like very strange. It came off as very like embarrassing, I thought. But those were my two like main issues with it. I love that. Yeah. Well, when I when I watched that sequence, I was like, oh, Carson, there he is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. Um, Yeah, I could see your point. Um, I kind of liked the open. And actually, I'm a little different than you, Nick. I kind of enjoyed all that like comedy opening um, only because I like liked that it just isn't immediately just bleak um Mm. and i i would say that's also within the world of the tmts which is like you watch all these movies and you start it within the first five minutes we just did this movie sun which we're not talking about on the podcast but it's on cheddar so i'll do a slight side review um it's so slow and so like just immediately jumps in and it's like this is a sad dark movie and it's gonna and like it's also bad Oh, this is good, but uh, this is better. But uh, it's also like a like fun bad movie, um, but it's not fun, and it like really hurts an enjoyment. And so like when you put on one, and it's like oh, there's a couple. Sometimes they're corny, but sometimes the jokes are good. Mm. Um, I liked that they he left the bill uh, for him at the. There's a sequence where he's talking to one of the serial killers before he knows he's a serial killer. And they're like hitting it off, having a bunch of drinks and the serial killer leaves him with a bill. I thought that was very funny. Um, it's just like, also that's something that's happened to me before. So felt real. <laughs> I have definitely gone out with people and they've been like, oh yeah, that's on his tab. And just peace. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Us at AFI Fest when we finally meet up. <laughs> Well, uh, Alina and I w- will <laughs> interact with that because we're uh, over 21 and we can go to the bars, but um, you could sit outside, go to a coffee shop, all night Starbucks. I would be also <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Not like 15, Jesus. I can't wait till we can all meet in real life and just get like really fucked up together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. I hope this exact movie happens, but we're all together. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> one oh, by geez. one taken down. Let's be clear. <laughs> this nerd might have like rose up and got some good kills. I won't. <laughs> I will die immediately. And I will like, you might as well like sacrifice me because like I'm not going to help you. I will become a burden very quickly. <laughs> That's what frozen uh, shock. My, my secret belief is that if any like action movie situation happened like my adrenaline would like boost because sometimes like when i walk into um when i'm in a theater and like some guy that looks a little creepy walks in and i'm like this is it i'm about to get shot at i like i don't immediately think duck and cover i think grab whoever i'm with throw them down and then figure out how to like army crawl down to get to the person. I don't know why, but that's my brain goes immediately. I'm like, I think I would do well in like a zombie apocalypse or like a serial killer movie. I would not make it through saw. 
trying to have me like cut off my own hand or anything, I'd be like, no, please kill me. That Same. seems so much. I feel like nicer. I would just accept death. Like, I feel like I do a lot of risky business and, you know, my hot girl summering and I'm just like, mm, if I die, I die. Like just find my killer and I'll be happy with that. Y'all. Very excited to find out that I am the final girl out of this group. Um, that's all what I've always wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it's all on it's you, like, Paul. Is it really worth the effort? Like, I can't drive. I can't run. It's like, guy wants to kill me. I'm dead. I'm dead. Yeah, I feel very similar. Like, you know, if they want it, they're going to get it anyway. So, like, what fight am I really going to be putting up? I might as well just let it happen. I don't know. We'll be talking about it next week, but uh, the girl in escape room seems to be doing fine. Um, she just makes it through and just gets everyone killed every time. I will say I'm great at escape rooms. <laughs> I'm undefeated. I've been to like six escape rooms and I've got out every time. I have time, never so. been to an escape room, uh, which is so Sorry. weird because I actually almost went to the first escape room that was out in Budapest. And um, <laughs> I liked your laugh at that. Um yeah, I was there and they were like, yeah, there's this new weird thing. The people at my hostel and they were like, it's called an escape room. And actually it is where they were first made. Um, and they were like, do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, how much is it? And they were like, $75 a person. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> like my max I'm spending every day is $35. I'm not spending that much to go into a room and get locked in. Also, in Budapest, like oh, no. <laughs> it, oh, no, no. before people knew what they were, I was like, I've heard of hostel. I know what happens next. <laughs> yeah, I am going to be a statistic. <laughs> That's a positive thought. Are we done with vicious <laughs> fun? <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, make so sure. Okay, and on that note, let's end. Actually, I would say this is probably, you mentioned saw traps, how not good you'd be in them. This truly felt like a saw trap for me. Uh, we have Joe Bell. And Alina, you saw this at TIFF when it was called Good Joe Bell. Um, give your thoughts, I guess. Is this is this one, did it work for you? <laughs> yeah, um, this movie is not good. So I guess it's a good thing that they changed the title. Um, so yeah, I watched this at TIFF. I actually watched it with my ex-boyfriend. Obviously, he was my boyfriend at the time. He loved it. And he is like a redneck hockey player conservative. So that should tell you all about this movie if he liked it. Like this man was crying and he was like, so, so powerful. And I'm sorry for embarrassing him, but also he owes me a lot of money. So fuck it. We can embarrass him on the podcast. Um, yeah, Mark Wahlberg, it, it literally feels like Mark Wahlberg is using this movie to like make himself look good. And it just doesn't work because of how they go about it. So I've like blacked out a lot of this and I haven't rewatched it since TIFF. So I read, I reread the review I wrote for it over at clapperltd.co.uk plug um, so to like refresh my memory. And I hated it because it's just such like a terrible story for like LGBTQ plus people. Like, um it's about this dad that's played by Mark Wahlberg and his like son and there's like two um stories like one's from the past one's from the present and they kind of like flip back and forth between them so like in the future one it's like Mark Wahlberg and his son walking literally walking across the United States to like raise awareness about like bullying and whatever and then like the past timeline is like the son 
figuring out he's like gay and whatever and the thing that bothered me the most about it is it like goes really hard on the bullying but like that's it they like never actually talk about like homophobia and stuff it's like just bullying and I'm just like you have a lot of potential for this to work and you're just not going there and I don't know if it's just because it's like based on a true story like the people in this are real people and I'm just like this didn't need to exist in the year of our lord 2021 all you have to know is there's a scene where Mark Wahlberg stands on the side of the road and sings Born This Way by Lady Gaga and genuinely I was shocked um yeah this film's not good (laughs) any ounce of it working is because it's a true story and naturally it is sad to think that this young kid would killed himself because he was bullied and because he was gay that's sad that's emotional other than that the film itself does absolutely nothing to make it any more impactful or interesting mark Wahlberg being in this is a joke it's literally just propaganda when he's been homophobic throughout his career to say i love gay people i can sing born this way i can go to the gay bar and it's just not good in the slightest um it it, i will say i like i will i appreciate how the film doesn't necessarily let him off the hook immediately even on his journey which he's walking across the country um to raise awareness for bullying he still has a lot he has to work through but ultimately he doesn't feel like it's a worthy journey it doesn't feel like the character has done justice he is sad because his kid died he's not sad because of like the pain his kid experienced and especially for it just to be mark Wahlberg. like i just found this film to be genuinely quite revolting um yes it's sad at times because it's a true story but nothing beyond that is good mark Wahlberg is like from a performance standpoint fine but it's just it's in such bad taste and the whole the kid he sees the kid and he like talks to the kid and like it didn't work for me i didn't think that was quite good and the character never really even feels like it he learns it feels like he learns and then he's like oh i wish i just took you hunting because then you wouldn't be gay and it's like well uh, then what you know so you didn't learn cool um but carson 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 good carson have you ever been hunting yes i've shot an elk oh well really yeah so actually yeah i Uh. don't i I wouldn't go hunting now i was i I have a lot of family joke i had set up instead just like no we can do it wait no we can do it i'll be like (laughs) no i i never went hunting paul no 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 it's too late we know you're a murderer <laughs> look i was a child okay so when I you were watching yeah, are, are, are you from montana aren't you from montana i'm person? not i'm not from my family's up there i used to spend every summer with them there um is that where you shot the elk yes i see i've like but shot a lot of guns but i never sh- that's fine but i never like shot at an actual animal i just like shot like deer cans in the backyard like yeah. any other little girl from rural Ontario I think the only thing that I've shot is an elk and then like a couple of like squirrels but like most okay so targets so Carson's a serial killer uh (laughs) (laughs) I don't eat animals I just shoot them no I don't I I, I've stopped killing animals also wait 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 I'm sorry I just shoot the animals and I eat them. <laughs> I became vegetarian. I remember every animal I killed, just like the guy from Pig. I feel bad. <laughs> I'm vegetarian now. Uh, um, surprisingly, I've never shot a gun. It's my uh, one like thing I've always yeah. wanted to do. It's we thrilling. Sh- we should go to the shooting range one time. Yeah, we should go to a shooting range or yeah. axe throwing. They're both very fun. Mm-hmm. See, I worry about axe throwing because then I'd be like, 
I should just have an axe in my room. And then like next time someone, you know, <laughs> gives me a look, it's just like axe. I would never shoot a gun at someone, but I could definitely throw an axe at them. Oh, I was thinking I was, yeah, I would <laughs> shoot someone. I would shoot someone multiple times. <laughs> I was watching Halloween the other night, not to get into a tangent, but I was like, no, if I had this man coming at me, I would fucking like cut his head off before I was done with him. I don't care. Like if someone enters my home, I'm terrified. I'm not going to just stab him once. I'm going to cut his head off and like shoot him multiple times. He will be dead. <laughs> okay. So uh, quick, quick uh, side note. Uh, no, we, we weren't judging the fact that you just are excited to murder people. I mean, we already heard about I didn't that say I was excited. Elk. I Look, the elk. <laughs> Ellen the elk, who just, <laughs> just live in her life. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was a, I, you can't shoot female elk. It was a male. Oh, okay, fine. And well, I saw him. He was he was grazing in a valley, and I put my gun up and I shot him. Oh God! <laughs> um, my whole family is like uh, not like my immediate family, but my secondary family is all hunters, and they'll send me pictures of like their five year old children with the dead animal, and I'm like, do you know who I am? See, um, I also don't anyway. like when people kill like they. My family kill like wolves and stuff, and I'm like, that's not good. You can't eat them. So it's just like it's gross. If you at least yeah. eat yeah. what you kill, um, yeah. Because imagine like if you did eat it and you're like, mm, that tastes good, and then you're like hanging out with Sparky later, and you're like, mm. <laughs> well, my uncle had to shoot. We, I, my family has to shoot dogs. We have shot dogs before because like to put them down. Because there's an event for like <laughs> there, there, no, there is an event for like a hundred miles. So like one dog got rabies, a beautiful, such a cute like husky, but my uncle had to put him down with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how we got here from oh, Joe Bell, okay. but okay, actually, my dad's done that with rabbits and stuff before. But you know, back to Mark Wahlberg. Fuck Mark Wahlberg. Um, okay, Can you so believe I... this movie? Wait, 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 wait. I need to say this before I forget. Can you believe that this movie is written by the same people who did Brokeback Mountain? Brokeback Mountain, and then this is what resulted from that. Kill me. Brokeback Why? Mountain is terrible. Actually. Listen, that's, it's that's my better than Joe Bell. And actually, it's very funny that they're just like, oh, I'm going to make a really homophobic gay movie twice. <laughs> I will say for people who don't see the visuals, because no one sees the visuals other than us, Nick has just sat for the last 10 minutes and like scared Italian. It's just <laughs> terrifying. Um, okay, so I do have a question um, because I can actually hop into this conversation, even though I have not seen the movie, because not my fault. I went to go watch it last night and we didn't know that also the screener was gone much like Alina and Fig. Isn't it weird um, how if you watch the screeners when I sent it to you like a two weeks ago, you would be able to watch these films? Crazy. Listen, I, know. I like watching it like right before we record. I do too. Don't forget things. Yeah. Um, it's not my fault. Alina, yeah, it was well, actually, actually, Alina, you are kind of in the fault. Paul isn't really. <laughs> I know it's red. I'm sorry. I own um, up to it. I take responsibility. I just wanted to ask, compared to actually, I was going to use Brokeback Mountain. I was curious about, like, in these terms of like queer tragedy films, this, um, also Uncle Frank, uh, any of those kind of movies. I was curious about, like, uh, more about like the representational aspects. Like, I don't know much about this movie, um, even like the original story. I went and read on Wikipedia just, but as a person who hasn't seen it and would like your guys' reviews, I would be interested in some of that as you continue talking. I mean, it plays um, into stereotypes, right? But it definitely yeah. is like, it is helped because it's a true story. Like he really was on the cheer team and such, but like it comes off very, very cliched. 
especially the Lady Gaga born this way part. I was like, do we really have to have this in like every queer story? I'm sure there's other songs. I'm not sure because I'm not gay, but you know, I, I would I would think that you have more than Lady Gaga born this way. <laughs> I ain't no queer, so I don't know about your music. <laughs> What is that? Born that way by Lady Gaga? I don't know what that is. I'm not gay, but. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like listen to the music of like a 50 year old dad. That's it. Well, well apparently Mark Wahlberg listens- country music. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, 50 year old dad, also listens to Lady Gaga. So, well, no, only he only listened. Made him listen to it. Yeah, I don't know. It like it really is just like stereotypical like gay kid stuff and it just like really falls into the barrier gays trope and I was like all right moving on (laughs) there's a single scene where he goes to a gay bar and he talks to people there that's like a little bit beyond that but no mostly I fully Mm -hmm. agree with Elena it is genuinely quite bad (laughs) yeah like there's honestly not even like a lot to say to it because it's just like so like a bare minimum oh and the ending also okay here's what pissed me off the ending of this film i'm not going to spoil if you don't know things don't necessarily end great for the dad is all i'm gonna say he doesn't necessarily get everything he like all the closure he wants it doesn't end up great i was so like already disgusted that this film is like using this real life tragedy wait 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 wait, wait. we can casually (laughs) just i was gonna say we can casually uh spoil the end of a fiction film but we can't spoil real life I mean, I can spoil it. I also can just word it, though, to where it doesn't matter. I don't need to spoil the film because I have uh, nothing oh, okay. dialogue. That's fair. And that's fair. I, I was just also myself, very Unlike some people here to say, like, oh, the fate of characters rather than just saying the pig died, you know? You can't people... talk about that movie without talking about the fact that the pig dies. Sorry. Well, there's nothing. The whole movie, you could be like, well, things don't work out. And you'd be like, the pig dies. So, like, the pig anyway. dies. The pig is dead. <laughs> I'll just, I'll spoil Joe Bell. If you don't want to be spoiled for Joe Bell, I can't imagine actually people will care. The father dies at the end. He gets ran over by a car. I was what? like, yeah, he gets ran over <laughs> yeah. on, <What>? on, <laughs> yeah. on his trek across America. He gets ran over by a car. Um, true story. It actually happened. It was a thing. But so then like, what a cheap effort though. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Okay, Paul. I feel bad for laughing. Everyone, Paul real. is laughing oh at a real guy dying. <laughs> no, I just, I just was expecting you to say something a lot more impactful than like. No, I thought he like defended a gay kid or something. No, just, no, he got ran over by a car, and then he enters like he walks into the forest with his dead son, like the ghost of him. <laughs> okay, As cool, 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 cool. But like. I don't like how like that felt really cheap in the context of the film, despite it being a real story. It felt really cheap just to like force you to try to feel empathy for his character. And ultimately his character, I just don't think deserves empathy with how he's shown in this film. He's just a homophobic asshole and it's not good. And I was really like disgusted morally by this film. So not a good film. It reminds me of that Viggo Mortensen movie that came out last year. The Falling? Falling? Falling. (laughs) Falling, yeah. Just... Mm. same quality sounds like i didn't know he was like i didn't know that was like a gay film i didn't know he was gay in it as soon as like he kisses his husband i was like whoa what are we wait hold on big what are you doing bud (laughs) what's happening um 
I feel like Joe Bell is like, this is obviously not a movie for us. Um, this is a movie for people who are like kind of okay with gay people, but also it makes them uncomfortable. So like, this is like, this it's, that movie is for people like that. That's, Alina, that's like the best you way to couldn't even it. name one gay song, so. <laughs> I hang out with you two Maybe this time. movie was for you. <laughs> it kind of feels like it wasn't. in a sense. Where like it's not for us, it's for a different demographic. At least was your uh, who you watched it with? Was he at least like was he sympathetic? Like oh, I feel really bad for gay people going through this, or was he like I feel bad for this homophobic father? He felt bad for the kid that the kid okay. was being like bullied and was like experiencing like suicidal thoughts and whatever because like he had also experienced things with that. Like I think that's what got him. Got it. Um, but like he is also like. I mean, I don't want to, he's my ex-boyfriend. I can slander him. He is like, okay with things, but he's like super like ignorant. So like, it, he is like the perfect demographic for this movie. Sure. Like he fucking loved it. So. Well, maybe if it gets the point across to them, like we can critically analyze it, but like it's getting a job done. It sounds like. Yeah. That, so. Well, yeah. well, also I just looked at this director and he's the same guy that did Monsters and Men. Um which I don't know if you guys know that it's uh, one that a lot of people said was based on uh, the death of Eric Garner. Um, and it's like a very like intro to police brutality movies. So it seems like this is like kind of his MO is like, I'll do like very like light movies to like teach people very basic skills, like, you know, caring about other humans. <laughs> well, this was originally an A24 film. It was going to be directed by the guy who is doing No Time to Die. Um, I forget his name, but it was okay, supposed to be like, yeah, it was supposed to be him wow. doing it originally, and then it like shift focus. So I'd be curious what that film was like. But what we got, I would not say is great. So on that note, why don't we wrap things up with our Clovercast film spotlight quickly? This week, we are doing Shirkers, uh, the 2018 documentary by Sandy Tan. Very quickly, just getting into this. Um, she's from Singapore. She has a student or, yeah, right as a student, as a young girl, made a film and then with this partner who was a guy and then he stole it all. And has quite a bit to say about like being a female filmmaker and specifically being an indie filmmaker um, and the how dangerous and kind of fragile that position is, especially when you don't have support. Uh, but I love this documentary. I think it's one of the best documentaries Netflix has put out. Um, it is half indie film where you actually see the film in question. Half of it is the documentary of people reflecting on it. Um, but I think this one is just really inspiring. And I think it's this beautiful like little love letter to filmmaking and the odds that go against it. Nick, I know that you're a young filmmaker yourself and I know you've seen the film. Do you also like this one? I've, I love this one. I didn't have the time to rewatch it for, for, for the podcast because I really wanted to, but I probably will in the next few days if I can, because this was like, we were talking about vicious fun and twists and turns. Like as far as documentary filmmaking goes, this one kept me on edge. It starts off in a very relatively light, like quirky, you know, it's a quirky documentary. She's oh, recovering the footage. She make, she's making indie movies, but there's some disturbing repercussions to what happens. Um, there's some revelations about her mentor slash professor, I don't really remember, and, and his story. And um, it's a love letter to cinema, to filmmaking, to following your dreams and all that. But it's also very much about the realities 
of this situation, especially like she's from Singapore. She's she cannot really afford to make movies, and so there's that whole level as well. Uh, it's it's a trip. It's it's one of the most compelling documentaries from that year. One of my favorite films from that year. And again, it's it's on Netflix. It's easily accessible by everyone, and that's always a good thing. Absolutely. So now let's close off with our actual recommendations this week. Um, and Paul, why don't you start us off? You've had a lot to say this episode. What's your recommendation? Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, my socials are at price like tag um, for Letterboxd and Twitter. Please follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, Carson and I are in a very friendly it doesn't really matter competition to see who can get more. And it's so funny because oh, I'll bump not- up it's not a competition it's friendly. who can get more. I, I, you know, yeah, sure, it's friendly. It's not a competition who can get more. It's all <laughs> sure, trying to rise not. to my level, actually. It's uh, not well, like we're not so... battling. Paul's never overtaken me in this. Okay, <laughs> except the funniest thing I've ever seen was I was too away from catching up, and Carson just posts very calmly on uh, Twitter, says, um, if you'd like to follow me on Letterboxd, if you're not doing that yet, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, and so now he's ahead for a little bit, but uh, I will catch up. Um, I did this thing that was a little sneaky where I saw all the people who had recently followed him and I just went and followed them for a day uh, and saw who I got back and whoever didn't follow me back, I unfollowed. <laughs> it was one of my better moves. Um <laughs> So I will follow you back. Ew, wow. <laughs> I <Listen>. won't. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what have I watched recently that I enjoyed? God, I was really excited. I was like, going to talk about something and everything. I mean, we're going to talk about Turner. Sun, Turner. right? No, Sun was bad. Do not watch Sun. <laughs> um, okay. So I watched the Batman, uh, the long Halloween part one. Um, I don't recommend it currently because part two's not out yet. But once part two's out, I would recommend watching them, especially if you don't know that story. It's a very like well done adaptation. It just stops. It's it is not two movies. It's not. It's like remember like when Hunger Games did it, and you were like, "This is half a movie." Um, yeah, that's what this is. Um, and it's really weird that they didn't just release them together. Um, but it's uh, Naya Rivera's final role. Um, I don't think she's particularly good as Catwoman, which sucks, but um, it's Jensen Ackles as Batman, which is really cool. Um, I think he's a great Batman. Um, yeah, I think you would really like it, Alina. But it's also nice. setting okay. up the new DC animated movies. Um, also, there is a movie called Superman Man of Tomorrow, um, which is the same universe, but it's Superman. It's this new style that they're doing. It's not really realistic. It's more uh, evocative of um, almost Archer, actually, that kind of like, you know, very strong lines, uh, outlines. It's it's a really nice looking thing. And I think they're going to kind of go like back to like the old kind of comic storylines and everything. I don't think it's going to get too big. Um, they're, they're good. But yeah, um, once those two come out. But if you're like, you know, gagging to watch some uh dc animated movies all of them are on hbo max and they're all pretty fun so that's what i would recommend uh check them out they're also like all about an hour long which is pretty great um it's like watching a tv show episode um and there's like 20 of them it's great do it 